I heard about your new film and how the critics really loved it Including yourself, but that's a really do a good effect All your dreams have come true I heard you bought a house in Martin E Because you couldn't stand the smell of all the suitors of fist creeps And that's a really do a good effect You're looking thin, I'm so happy for you Everybody, welcome to Jason and Todd Talk Through Lousy Films. This is our 100th. I'm Jason. And I am Todd. And this is our 100th. I'm sorry, Todd. I'm just so excited because this is, I don't want to interrupt you. This is important. <laughs> I was just going to you, you call it. You call it. I was just going to, all I was going to say is this is our 101st episode. 100th. 101st. First. Uh, I forgot. See, uh, you, could, you, could, you could sell me. Every week, every month. Well, how often do we do this, Todd? Once a you month. You could tell mostly. me that it's our two two hundred and fifth, and I'd be like, "Yeah, I remember our hundredth." <laughs> wow, but I won't actually remember our hundredth because it was only a month and a half ago. It's the uh, after the holidays, uh, Christmas edition yeah. because uh, first of twenty twenty two got sick. Mm-hmm. We traded getting sick, and then uh, some of us were uh, uh, had scheduling issues. That would be me, and then uh, and now it's after the holidays, and whatever is happening in our lives, we managed to start this. We did start the last one mm-hmm. before I had a catastrophic failure, and, and then you know so much has happened. Todd. Well, I and then like I, I got yeah, a long and then time. I got a cold, which wasn't COVID before the holiday. Did you lose weight? You look like you might have lost weight. I know I say that every time, but it's a habit because I read it in a book. You're supposed to say that to people, but you really do look like you lost weight. I did. Every I, time I, I see don't. You. I don't think I did. I mean, if I did, it's because uh, you know uh, uh, I was so stressed out. Tra- I traveled, Jason. Yeah, um, and I feel like I. And have I know to- you had you had. You had trouble with people dropping their R's, and I apologize that I've done what I can from here. Yeah, that was that was hard, and uh, and dropping their masks uh, was another one. Oh, um, uh, but yeah, so we tra- now you 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 traveled over a very dangerous period of time in the history of uh, air travel in the world because something like five thousand flights ended up being canceled over yeah. the holidays. First, it was two thousand, and then there was like another twenty five hundred or some bullshit. Well, our whole thing—I I don't know if you remember July. Um, but uh, uh, back in July, no, what are you talking about <laughs> fucking? <laughs> Come on, Todd. So, this isn't the show you do with smart people. So, July. All right. Well, anyway, back in July, I remember vividly only because this is when I made all my travel plans. Uh, okay. Because we were suddenly fully boosted. Back then, it was just uh, fully vaccinated. It was just the two two shots back then. Now we're all uh, boosted as well. Uh, but we, you know, and at that time, you know, the announcements basically were, you know, it's clearing. COVID is receding and it's going into the background and it's going to be behind us was, was what I heard. Now you were, you were uh, with me. We were up there among the top, I thought, 2% of people who I knew who were freaked out. 
about COVID. So you, back in July, you thought uh, when when uh, when I thought and uh, that that it was kind of still dangerous and everybody was acting uh, really precipitous and opening up and stuff. Uh, it, your desire was stronger because you have a family. True or false? Uh, you wanted to believe it because uh, so many different people in your household needed to believe it. Uh, well, I, you know, at the time, at July, I mean, you're you're probably right uh, in that we were. I mean, yes. Well, it turns uh, out that I was right. I'm being a cunt. I'm, I'm being the worst <laughs> yeah, kind yeah. of fucking after the fact no, I, uh, I, uh, I, arm, armchair warrior. We went back and forth on this, Jason. Trust me. But the, the point is, is we made uh, travel plans. We went to the 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 uh, Sequoia, uh, you know, the giant Sequoia forest national park thing over the I summer. I love that place. Like we scheduled that. And then, and at the same time, we scheduled a trip back east to see my family. I haven't seen um, my mother or father in three years. My father has cancer. Oh, my God. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, it just seemed important to, to visit yep. and, and, and see my uh, siblings. You know, and, and we were, you know, and when we made these plans, we were fully vaccinated. So the idea was that we were protected. And the idea, yeah. uh, you know, at that time in July, what there wasn't the, well, breakthrough cases maybe, you know, because Delta hadn't blown up, never mind the, the yeah. Omicron thing. So, yeah. like, the idea was we're vaccinated, you know. So uh, our risks were greatly reduced in traveling. But, you know, we did not foresee. And then, you know, and then when it came down to the Omicron, which blew up right before, you know, we left, then it became this... Yeah debate do we cancel or the fact that we're boosted is this going to get us across country at least you know and back healthy uh and you know at the at the very least you know we knew that because we're fully vaccinated if we do get it it's going to be a minimal you know sickness right sure uh you know and by, by the time we got there you know it was t- it was terror now <laughs> You know, by the time we were there, we were yeah, like, oh, fuck, yeah. are we getting back? Now, we had, yeah. uh, you know, because I have, I had this dumb dream all my life to travel across country on a train. Uh, we, we, we set up a train trip uh, across country, uh, which takes, you know, about a week. Um, yeah. And you have to stay in hotels in New York and, and Seattle on, you know, two ends, uh, two points in the trip. Um you know, but you know, we had our own cars. Now, when we made the when we made the uh, uh, plans, you know, again, we didn't realize what we would be up against. So we were we had our own room on the train, and at this point, we're like, "All right, uh, we'll just stay in the fucking room, and that's that. We'll just stay away yeah. from the the the, the fun cars." Uh, you know, um, which was, you know, like, okay, fine. But at least we're going to... In the movie, that's where you always meet the uh, prostitute spy is uh, over breakfast in the in the whatever the breakfast car or something and somebody comes in in a nice uh, you know uh, pencil suit and you go huh my family's still asleep and then you you keep your honor and virtue right and you don't betray your family but you do go on this crazy adventure and and end up that your your family never knew you were off the train but you were actually crashing helicopters and climbing <laughs> mountains and shit and saving you know some some piece of americana probably yeah the, did that it, happen it, well no uh, because we we did Never oh, got on the train. You didn't, 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 didn't get on the train. The train. I'm the sorry. trains. Uh, the we did get on one train. We got on a train in Bellows Falls, Vermont, uh, where the guy who helped people um, get up into the car, you know, and, and guided people, and yeah. let people know he he was walking around maskless at the train station with a Gadsden flag 
uh, uh, just like walking around. Wow. With his flag. That and that. This was the uh, not the conductor, but it was he. This the conductor. No, it was a guy what? who worked at the station. I mean, I think he was like a little okay. bit touched, you know. Uh, and he kept following me around and giving uh, me the train facts. So he was attracted did, to me, and I'm so I'm being followed around by this maskless <laughs> guy with a "Don't tread on me" snake flag. Uh, telling did it tra- bite you? Train facts. No. Every, uh, was- every time I see that flag, I'm going to be like, someday that fucking flag is going to tread on me, and then I'm going to be the asshole. I'm going to be in some <laughs> meme. So, you know, some fucking masked man is actually bitten by Gadsden flag, dies of, you know, fucking snake bite. And uh, that didn't happen. Thank God. Thank God, Todd. <laughs> I mean, we had to have a 101st episode. That would have been shitty to go out on whatever the shitty movie I was yeah. uh, that I brought last time. So so anyway, we got. I know we got to start, start this Bruce Willis, Frank Grillo sci-fi masterpiece, Cosmic Sin. But just to wrap it, so we did get on one train which went from Bellows Falls to New York. By the time we got to New York, all our other trains were canceled. So we were stuck uh, in New York. We had one night uh, in a hotel. Uh, there, yeah. uh, but luckily Hill has relatives in New York, so we wound up staying with her aunt for several days, uh, ah. just uh, laying low till we could get a plane back, uh, and we did pretty well. Um, you know, uh, we only uh, did stuff outside in New York, uh, and and then we got on these planes. It wasn't nonstop; there were two legs, and on the second leg, which was like Boulder to to Burbank. That was the, I'm. That's where my family picked up COVID. I'm pretty sure, unless it was my son going back to in-person learning uh, this last week. I don't know. But the guy on the last leg, it's just like a two and a half, three-hour flight. There was a guy sitting in front of us. The the flight attendant had to talk to him four or five times before we took off to keep his mask up. Through the whole flight, he was pulling his mask down to cough and snort. Uh, and uh, I'm pretty huh. sure that's huh. probably he probably had COVID and he probably gave it to my family. Uh, and I will never, I mean, like lesson learned. I mean, luckily, th- this is asymptomatic COVID that my family has to deal with right now. So it's mostly about the inconvenience of, you know, sheltering in place and, and staying a- away from people and, and public places and away from each other because one of us is, is not is negative right now. Uh, but you know that's where I, I'm never getting on a fucking plane uh, again uh, unless the airline has a uh, vaccine mandate for everybody getting on the plane. I, I just the honor system clearly doesn't work, uh, and <laughs> and uh, uh, I don't know what kind of high school you went to, man. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, I mean, uh, I like, and and it's true, Jason. I feel fucking stupid. I feel stupid that we went. You know, but no, no. This is, is somebody, uh, 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 a mutual friend of ours who has cancer, uh, uh, told me the other day uh, while he's leading his uh, uh, fairly unencumbered, uh, fairly uh, not very particularly uh, hiding in place uh, life right now. Uh, I told him I, uh, you know, about one of the endless uh, fist fights I'm getting into, and fucking, uh, uh, I have a. I have a new uh, scar on my hand, uh, on my knuckle, from uh, some some new shit of somebody being in a place where I was and not uh, wanting to mask up and me having to remove them from the premises because the premises abdicated all responsibility for uh, taking care of any of their own personal mandates which are posted everywhere on all the doors and walls. Uh, and I was telling uh, my friend about this, and he said, uh, 
It's none of your fucking business what they do, what they wear. You can't do anything about that, idiot. And I, I, you know, you can hear a thing a million times, and uh, if you're Jason, it might take more than that. <laughs> well. So for for some reason, this kind of landed uh, because uh, you know, so far I haven't uh, gotten beat up or, or anything for for trying to enforce my own sort of no-fly zone in the places that I go, which are extremely limited, and places where I think I can probably beat up whoever might fuck with me in that. You know, Encino, mm-hmm. I've, I've got a pretty good chance of, of, uh, of making it out okay. <laughs> uh, you know, but from confronting somebody, it's not like I'm doing it in fucking Pacoima uh, or Beverly Hills where somebody will just shoot you for infringing on their shit. So, uh, I, you know, my conclusion uh, about this shit is is now uh, changing a little bit. My 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 view of it because of this epiphany that my friend gave me. I like hand me down epiphanies personally. I don't like to make them myself. It's a lot of resources. <laughs> and uh, so yeah, I'm trying to see this as uh, you know some some degree of personal choice as removed from nobody has any personal choice during a pandemic, which is the the very much the feed that I've been intaking since the beginning of this uh, crisis, you know, a couple of years ago. And now I'm starting to feel, eh, and it's largely because I got boosted. It's largely because, uh, you know, I haven't got it yet. And uh, nobody in my household has got it yet, as far as we know. And uh, fuck it. You know, I, I guess uh, it was time for me to stop worrying about it so much. And the desire that you have to see your parents, to, to, to make sure you're in contact with the people you love. Um, you know, after a couple of years, for a lot of people, this becomes a mandate. And that's, as much as I uh, am uh, frightened by the concept of family and, and, and the idea of reaching out in general and keeping in touch, it always seems sticky and domestic and kind of creepy to me. <laughs> and, you know, everybody's different. Not everybody has to have that. And I don't necessarily have to think, oh, well, Todd, Jesus Christ, it's only your family. Because, you know, your relationship to your family is not necessarily the one that I grew up with. Uh, I like your family, mostly because I haven't met anybody back there. It's much safer for me to like things from afar. You know, uh, so yeah, I I don't think you're stupid. I don't think you uh, should have known better. I'm I'm really not coming at it from that perspective. Even though, uh, yeah, consistently I've been like, every time they want to open schools, every time they want to do anything, you know, bars, whatever, the mask mandates. I've always been pretty much on the side of the scaredy cats and the. Don't, don't, don't. What are you, crazy? Yeah, me too, and, Jason. And, and then, uh, there's only so much of that you can do, especially with Omicron, which seems largely not to be Delta, and it's killing a lot less people. It seems to be. I don't know. Or are they just telling us that? I don't believe, you know? Yeah. I don't believe in a lot of these institutions, and they do frighten me in the same way that they frighten a Trumper. You know, they alarm. it alarms me to be given messages by mass media that I don't fucking believe on any other subject. Right. You know? And so why would I believe them about this? I'm just, maybe I'm just getting tired of being so keyed up about it. I don't know. But yeah, I, I, you had to go. You went. Uh, they got, a, it sounds like, a little sick. It doesn't sound like anybody's dying at this point. And that's, no, uh, I mean, and that's, know, that's the, the goodness of the, of the vaccination thing. Uh, it just, I, I, I guess in my mind, like, I just put, I put more faith in the vaccines than I should have. Uh, lesson learned. Um, 
moving forward. Yeah, but or, you know, you know, but if if the, I mean, we've sort of known that for the last uh, uh, I don't know six months or something that the that the vaccine you know was only going to help you get it less, right? Unless right. Uh, uh, unless uh, you know un- unless you were not exposed very much or whatever the fuck. It seems like uh, it. <laughs> It may be a small price to pay for going back and seeing your family. That uh, easy for you to say you're testing negative, but for <laughs> yeah. your for your wife and child to get uh, uh, sick, um, and this is on the heels of Colby having a cold uh, right before the end of term. Yeah, right? yeah. That's uh, uh, just uh, I'm so sorry. Uh, I'm sorry for everybody that had a family because all the self pity that I reserve, you know, largely for myself. You have to spread it around. Yeah, like you have to, you have you have to spread that butter over over much toast. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Speaking of butter and toast, Jason, uh, yeah, you want to do I, it? Yeah, I I I uh, I picked this movie. Uh, here's why I picked yeah. uh, the movie Cosmic Sin. Because uh, you hate me. Is well, no, that's not true. I love you, Jason. Uh, sometimes mm. I dislike your opinions. <laughs> <laughs> but the only reason I picked this is because you had a very specific p- opinion about Bruce Willis's project selections versus Tom Hanks's. You know, you're mi- you're misquoting me again. That is not this is this is not indicative of the trend that I was talking about, which basically ended in the late '90s. But okay, I know. I, 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 know. I did not specify that. I never not. specified that, and uh, it's my fault. I left myself wide open I, for this shit. I got you on a technicality. But here, let's start. Our, I'm queued up at zero. Uh, do you want to give right. a countdown? So do the, the thing. Yeah, All there right. you go. Okay, let's call it three, a two, a one, a go. Oh, look at that. Yeah, I I watched a movie the other day that had the opening. Uh, the, the opening logos for all the film companies, uh-huh, right? Uh-huh. It, it was uh, this Numi Rapace. I have no idea how to pronounce her name. She's from some other country. She was the girl with the dragon tattoo originally. And Did you watch The Lamb? Lamb? Yeah, yeah, we watched The Lamb. Did you like right? Lamb? So, so, well, did you notice that this movie starts with like 18 minutes of company credits, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, they were all like, uh, you know, Film Commission of Iceland, Film Commission of Sweden, Film Co- I think New Zealand got in there. Like every weird fucking little socialist paradise in the world contributed to the building of this film, which doesn't have a third act. <laughs> and it just it doesn't surprise me the other like uh, third act. Oh fuck, and we got the money. The money's here. Numi's here. We got to shoot. Uh, monster. Monster. It's a monster at the end. Uh, sorry, everybody who was going to fucking watch this piece of shit. But uh, it ends with uh, a monster comes out of the woods and shoots one of them. Because uh, it's a stupid, stupid movie. So that was, uh, that was my take. That even in the world of super indie, you know, socialist, government-financed film... Where you would hope, you know, geez, the way Channel 4 does it in France, you know, uh, uh, it should have told me that not all these movies are going to be fucking fancy art movies that make sense. Some of them are going to be stupid fucking horror movies. <laughs> My but favorite, anyway. the only part... How'd you like it? I, I was amused by it. I was on a plane, you know. Uh, oh, that helped. I, was I on bet a, you that helped. I was on a plane exposing myself to COVID as I was watching it, so... <laughs> Uh, it, it was uh, it, it was amusing on a plane. I, I like I feel like if I had seen it, you know, if I had seen it in the theater, it would have pissed me. Yeah, off. Uh, yeah. It, it, I might have, and I might have just if I had seen it at home on my couch, I might have just like lost interest in it. Uh, but because I was on a plane, and I did think it was very pretty. Uh, 
You know, I love these Scandinavian movies that they all look like this. That Ruben Ostlund movies, they all look like this. There's a, there's something very clean. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks like even at the dirt end of the fucking farm road out in the middle of nowhere up against the mountains, it's still a, basically a clean world up there in the snow. It's, it's, it seems like they don't have a lot of our problems down here in the dirt. They don't have all this plastic trash at the side of the road like we do in these movies. I'm sure they're careful about that. Well, and it's real. But yeah. And, and it sort of had a, you know, that these movies, these art house horror movies have that slow burn thing like Rare Exports, which I liked. Yeah. I liked Rare Exports a lot. Yeah, but shit was happening in Rare Exports like within 15 minutes. Yeah, that's true. You know? That's true. And I, I, I feel like if it didn't take more than 15 minutes for the, the human mountain sheep hybrid to be born, then uh, it sort of felt like more than 15 minutes. It took a long I mean? time. And then and then the reveal was sort of you see like uh, this half lamb, half human. Is Was that what I just said? What the fuck did I just see? Yeah. And then you see it again here and there. And then he becomes yeah. more prominent. And then the creepy uncle guy. Uh, uh, shows yeah. up and he's the only one that I related to, even though he was creepy uncle guy, because uh, he's the one person. These people are <laughs> these people are fucking wrong. Is why you know he shows up. <laughs> and now, he goes, here's what, what it, the fuck is going on. Is what he says. What the fuck is? However, this? however, all three of them react to the to the advent of this creature in what I thought was a wonderful hook at the toward at the beginning of this movie or when it finally starts. Uh, and this event happens finally. You know this. This is like a horror story written by a New Yorker short story writer. Uh. You know where where they're like they're embarrassed about the fact of event in a story. Well, I, I don't want to have to rely on melodrama, and so nothing fucking happens for most of the time. So this, uh, uh, I love how this movie that we're watching, this Cosmic Sin, starts with. She doesn't want to fuck him in the tent because it's kind of awkward and weird, even though they just landed on this weird planet alone. Obviously, they're going to be fucking. And so he goes outside to shoot his gun off uh-huh. to, to make her feel better and calmer about the fact that they're going to fuck on, on an unexplored, uninhabited planet. He goes outside to shoot his gun off to get her wet. And, and, and he's shooting it off. I thought it was a real, <laughs> real interesting choice. Is he shooting... Is he shooting at the crew in the soundstage just off camera? Because <laughs> that's what it looks yeah. like. He's not. Alec to... Baldwin was his uh, fucking uh, <laughs> oh, uh, uh, armorer, I think, on this show. Oh God. So, uh, so yeah, in, in 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 what is it? Tusk? No. What the fuck is this? Uh, narwhal? What's the movie we're talking Lamb. about? Scandinavia Lamb. with the half. I watched Narwhal. I didn't see Tusk. Did you watch Tusk? No, I never watched. Tusk. I, I'm not that interested in anybody involved. Uh, it sounded like the principal was uh, potential, you know, had potential. I don't know. Mm. But uh, 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 when the weird baby comes out, uh, you know, halfway through or ten minutes into or whatever it is uh, in uh, Lamb, uh, both parents look at it with real surprise, a lot of surprise and, and some wonderment, but neither one of them. Right, and I think this is very much on purpose, and this is this is by far the best thing uh, for me about this movie is that it made this choice that they're both really, really surprised that this uh, human goat hybrid has been born, but they're not freaked out by it. No, neither one of them does what we would do, which is whoa, fuck, shit, call CNN. We neither uh, 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 neither of our protagonists do this, right? So about a, a half an hour later, or you know, seven dog years in this movie, uh, the 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 creepy uncle shows up. His reaction is identical to theirs. 
it, it, I thought. I mean, yes, he wants to kill it, but his well, the look does, on his face. He does ask what it, the it, fuck it, is it, happening. It, yes, he does. But they, it, it's not that different. He, he still doesn't have the fuck call CNN or we need to kill it instantly. Like he doesn't immediately attack it with a hoe. You know what I mean? Right. Which which you or I probably. Uh, would think about, or at least consider, or say, hey, brother, do you want to kill this with a hoe before it gets any worse? What the fuck <laughs> happened? Or let's call CNN, whatever the fuck. <laughs> Nothing really that, that would happen to you or me, I think, when we were confronted by a human-sheep hybrid. And yes, I'm sure I'd like to say to everybody listening, probably my first impulse uh, upon confronted with an adorable uh, uh, baby-sheep, baby-human hybrid Probably, I wouldn't immediately try to hit it with a hoe, like every bad guy in a 50s uh, bug-eyed monster movie. Yeah. However, I would think about getting some experts involved. And not only does the, uh, does the creepy uncle not do that, you know, uh, uh, his reaction, I think, dovetails rather closely with theirs, except that he sees a transgression that's worth stopping in keeping it alive. They don't. That's the only difference. But no, none of them is knocked out cosmically and has to think about, like, the, you know, the Lovecraftian repositioning of yourself in the universe because you saw such an amazing thing, you know, that moment. There's not that moment for any of the three of them. I, saw, I thought that created the texture of a very interesting environment. Sure. So we're in a world where people aren't knocked out completely. Like, nobody loses, loses consciousness by finding out that this thing exists in the world. It's just that one of them thinks it's real, real bad. We really have to stop. Do you think that the the dad, you know, or the dad or the, the farmer guy, did he fuck the sheep, and that's why there's a half a? Because it made me think. No. It made me think of a much more fun movie out of New Zealand called Black Sheep, which was like yeah. a undead. Sheep. I don't remember any. I don't remember anything about that except it's not as much fun as the as the uh, the Peter Jackson uh, movie with with weird sheep in it. Uh, you mean brain dead? I, either brain dead or the other one where they kills Bad zombies with a lawnmower. No, they're, that, they're, that's dead alive. It's it's, it's dead alive. Dead alive. Dead alive. Brain dead or the same thing. Movie, yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, so yeah, whatever the one is where he uses the lawnmower to attack. Isn't there zombie sheep in that too? Uh, yeah. Uh, a goat. Well, one or two. A goat or something. Yeah, something like God, that. God, I don't remember anything about that except thinking uh, that the black sheep. Should have been as good as that movie. I liked Still Black I Sheep. I Did you like Black funny. Sheep? But that one does involve, you know, fucking a sheep. One of the characters ah. is a sheep fucker. I thought for a while that maybe, except that she, her reaction, the wife's reaction was not, oh my God, you fucked a sheep, which I thought would have been different from her reaction yeah. in the movie. So I, I assumed, and plus, they give away, you know, there's something large grunting outside the house, you know, from pretty early in the movie. So, and it, and it seems to have something to do with the kid. Uh, so I thought they kind of gave away that, you know, there's a monster out there that fucks sheep. And so it finally came at the end and uh, got upset that right. they were... Well, that his was kid the, and had killed his wife. They killed his wife, you know. Yeah. So. Well, they. they <laughs> it's, yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. Yeah. Uh, but that, I agree that it's I agree that it's a very interesting movie for an hour. I was sure. I was absolutely captivated, and when it started to not go anywhere, which was pretty early, I gave it a lot of chance for me. Which is, you know, I'll cancel something no matter if it costs seven fucking dollars to rent, and uh, <laughs> you know. Look at how fast, you know. I, as soon as movies went to like $15, $20 a ticket, I was already not going to the theater. 
So I think paying seven dollars to see a movie now streaming is ridiculous. I no just matter how yeah, big my screen is. Uh, you know, after uh, you know the whole holiday travel, I can't imagine going to a movie right now. I I don't. Mm-hmm. It, it's bizarre to me that there the titles that come out that push the only in theaters thing. You know. Um, I'll just wait. I'll just wait a month till it does come on VOD. Uh, you know, and then there's a there's a very clear uh, tacit agreement uh, across I think American industry right now. I don't know what it's like in the rest of the world uh, to just deny the fact that you know we're all uh, we're all going to get it if we go to the movies. We're all going to get it if we go to Applebee's. We're all going to get <laughs> Applebee's. We're all going to get it if 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 we get on a plane. We're all going to get it if we if we uh, you know act like it's not here. And uh, I, I feel like every fucking impossible industry uh, for purposes of the labor force uh, uh, or for purposes of uh, retail sales, you know, everybody's decided to act like this isn't happening. Uh, except a certain amount of consumer uh, who says, you know, geez, this seems alarming. And and it's largely people who don't have those connections, who don't have to travel, who don't have to. I've built up a, a, a little uh, wireframe of what the fuck is going on, uh, Todd. And let me tell you, uh, you don't want to hear about it on this show. <laughs> I, think thing, I think things are much worse than anybody's admitting. Uh, I think you're probably right. Um... I, I actually I think you are right. I'm not going to say probably, but I think you're right. <laughs> the the reason I brought up uh, goddamn uh, Lamb is just that uh, Saban has a, a a number of interesting company credit logos that come on before Saban films, mm-hmm. and they all make it look like it's going to be a much more interesting movie than it is until you see that it morphs into the word Saban, and then you're like, ah, yeah. Oh, there's always yeah. that last one. Is it going to be Saban? Is it going to be Braun? Which one is it? Because <laughs> that's right. It always oh, it's Braun. Well, it's got some money. It's got some Chinese money or something. Yeah, this will be a fun yeah. one. And it's and it's going to have some Chinese characters and it's going to have some Chinese propaganda. And that's okay. <laughs> sure. You know, I tell you what. And maybe I'll it'll probably have that shit. Matt Damon too. It'll probably have Matt Damon. Hey, it, it, I'll swallow as much fucking Chinese propaganda as you can feed me as long as it turns out as good as the Meg. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> And that's a that's a good movie. I watched that movie like seven times already. Uh, I bought that movie instantly after watching it because I thought I'm gonna watch this like seven eight times, and I did. Made my money back already. Thank you. Yeah, I've watched uh, that a bunch delight. of times, even though it was. I thought it was. I mean, it was fun, but it was like a disappointing. It didn't quite. You, uh, you guys just uh, instantly. I remember. I, I probably told you the story before. Maybe I haven't uh, about Daryl. And uh, you and Hillary and Deep Lucy. Oh, uh huh, yeah, yeah. And, and, and he came to me once and he said, I went over to Todd and Hillary's and uh, they just wanted to watch Deep Blue Sea. I was offended. I was offended. <laughs> I left. I said, I'm not going to come over to your house and you're going to show me the fucking Deep Blue Sea, this terrible <laughs> thing. Uh, and, and I thought that was, <laughs> that was funny. He obviously doesn't understand what it's like to visit Todd. What the fuck? <laughs> Daryl, and and I think that's interesting because Daryl was you know kind of an insular person anyway. Never understood why anybody did what they did except himself. <laughs> and you know a lot of us are like this. I think I'm closer to that end of the spectrum than you are, for instance. But uh, 
But you guys just jumped on Deep Blue Sea right away. You thought it, it hit all these buttons for you, yeah, and was, you still love this movie, right? This is still like a yeah, big time yeah. classic. It's a for you. it's a classic Sharker. Yeah. <laughs> and and for for me, uh, like there are lots of admirable elements of that movie. The, for me, yeah, yeah. I like much much is much of the overtopness about that movie is wonderful. The Sam Jackson moment is great. Uh, it does not entertain me, and I feel uh, every time the, the the graphics come on, every time there's a shark, I go ah fuck. Uh-huh. It just annoys me. It's got those Sharknado graphics, and it. I don't know why the the Meg looking so much better. I think makes up for a tremendous amount. I I think the dialogue's more interesting. I think the characters are more interesting. I think it's just uh, it's it's much more on the. Would you agree? Would we agree uh, that the Meg? is more toward the good movie end of the spectrum, but maybe not as outrageous a, an entertainment as Deep Blue Sea for that very reason? I think that's a very because it's, fair it's not assessment. bad enough? Yeah. It's not I th- bad enough well, for you? it's not. It's, okay, like, for example, one of the, like, they set up this whole Chinese uh, beach uh, situation, you know, yeah. overcrowded water, and then a giant... Megalodon swims through it, and I think it knocked one kid off a raft. <laughs> and I was like, well, that, "That's you know, that's where the PG thirteen rating I think got in the yep. way of what should have been bigger and more Absolutely. over the top." But I did like the Meg. Don't get me wrong; I enjoy the Meg. I just now wait a minute. Wait a minute. Is that true? Deep, deep blue, deep blue sea is is an R. Yeah, oh yeah. St- uh, Stellan Skarsgård gets his arm bitten off. His arm, blood yeah, flying. Yeah. yeah, there's all kinds of like people get torn in half. You know, uh, now, Michael I'm, Rappaport. That's Michael Rappaport gets ripped in half, and I just watched him in another movie where he should have gotten ripped in half, but he didn't. Called Copland. Uh, yeah, he should definitely have. Uh, well, he should have just jumped off that building, and then the movie could have been about something else. <laughs> I, I would have liked that. Hey, we've got this great ensemble together. Unfortunately, guys, Michael Rappaport actually just fell off the bridge. So we're gonna do some rewrites on the fly. Let's go. You know, <laughs> Robert De Niro. You know, you give him the same line to repeat seventeen times, and you can have the other more uh, improvisational actors create a story around that. You know, yeah, but no, they kept it about some guy that hides in a water tower. Michael Rappaport, uh, what's your favorite Michael Rappaport death on film? Uh, I don't know. Um, I mean, probably Deep Blue Sea getting ripped in half. I can't think of a lot of ones where he gets killed. Uh, mine is the remake of Kiss of Death, where he gets right crossed to death by uh, Nicolas Cage. Oh, right. That's the thing with uh, the redhead, right? Yeah, David Caruso uh, has uh, the misfortune of trying to fill Victor Mature's shoes in uh, in that remake of that wonderful Henry Hathaway movie. The only good Henry Hathaway movie. I fucking said it. From like 1947, which is like a seminal noir. And this thing was directed by the same Barbette Schroeder who did... Uh, that's his American pronunciation. Thank you, Barbette, <laughs> uh, who did Barfly and uh, uh, who did uh, 
that wonderful documentary about Idi Amin in which the fucking film crew that's in Uganda filming Idi Amin, including Barbette Schroeder, is clearly nearly killed several times when Idi Amin swings his fucking like 75 pound head over to look at them <laughs> and just looks at them, looks at the camera a few times and you're like, fuck. Do you know this guy? Do you know this, this guy's name? Uh, this this guy the guy looking at us uh, the, the 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 guy uh, the bigger guy the bigger guy yeah isn't is is this guy the uh, the henchman of uh, of uh, uh, Bruce Willis in this is that the actor uh, I can't uh, recognize anybody in this movie they all look alike to me I think I think he is but I I recognize this guy I've seen him for years I I assume he's Canadian because I only ever see him in movies that are made in Canada. Okay. Including uh, uh, Steven Seagal's short-lived scripted TV series, um, he was he was one of his team team members. Oh, but he's always like well, that's... he he has this very Canadian look in that he looks kind of sweet, you know, and yep, you kind of yep. want to hug but him. Kind of tough. Yeah, but he's yeah. always a tough guy. Like he's a hundred percent American yeah. tough guy esque in in his characters, but he doesn't look that way. He looks like a Canadian. So this nice isn't. Canadian. I don't think this is the henchman from the bar. Well, henchman. He's the nice guy, tough guy, nice tough guy friend of Bruce Willis in the bar at the beginning. I don't think this is him. Uh, I, I think they just the characters all the actors all look alike, which yeah. is another typicality for both Canadian movies and Saban movies. I think. And uh, what about Steve, Stephen McCaddy? Stephen McCaddy turned me on to this. Stephen McCaddy looks like seventeen other actors, you know. Yeah, uh, he, and every, every Canadian actor has that. William Shatner, you know, wouldn't have a career if he didn't look like both uh, 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 the Godfather. What's his fucking name? Brando. Uh, bring me some ice cream. Brando. Brando. He, he he's got Brando's forehead. <laughs> and uh, I, I forget who the lower part of Shatner's face looks like to me. Uh, uh, but anyway, all these guys with the big foreheads, Paul Newman, you know, they all looked like fucking Brando, and that's why they, they got their chance. Uh, I feel like Canada has a bunch of these types of things going on. Well, McCaddy's, talking. McCaddy's like Canada's Lance Henriksen. That's what he is. Exactly, exactly. And, and there's a lot of other, you know, uh, uh, skull face actors who, who have that same kind of... Uh, not only look, but they have that kind of vibe. They have that gravity. You know, they're kind of a serious. Uh, uh, you take them seriously. McCaddy, uh, so uh, McCaddy, and I have the same manager. Uh, good man, that's and, great. And good my for you. and and he apparently, you know, didn't do whatever he needed to do to keep his like visa going. So like he, oh shit, he can only work in Canada now for some reason. Oh no. I'm like, why? Why would you limit yourself, Steve McCaddy? Because they shoot everything here, there, Todd. He said and hung up. <laughs> what did he say? Uh, he didn't but, say anything. I didn't talk to him. I just that I, was. A, I had the, I, I had the same agent as the old man from uh, RoboCop. Uh, Ronnie and uh, oh, the old man. No, the old man. The, bo- I, the I, boss I, who I, says you're fired. He said, tells Dick. I'm very disappointed. Oh, that guy. That guy. Uh, he played uh, Robinson Crusoe for uh, Louis Bunuel uh, back in the 40s or early 50s. I uh, can't remember his fucking name. Irishman. Anyway, uh, uh, and I've told that story on the fucking pod before. He's, uh, and I'll tell he's, it again, and I probably didn't recognize his, remember his name last he, time either. He plays the, the head of the uh, Irish warlocks in, uh, in the Halloween 3 season of The Witch. 
Oh really? Yes. Good for yeah. That's that's I, yeah. I I really love that guy. He's he's always he's always uh, a little bit cartoony, but but he brings that gravity. You know, he's perfect for a lot of these yeah goofy things. I uh, like him. Yeah. Um, but there's uh, something essentially uh, wrong with okay with the way we're treating cosmic sin. Right by just talking around it, we haven't mentioned it once. Really, what's going on <laughs> on the screen or whatever? We we pointed at one guy and said, "Isn't he that other guy?" Whatever. Uh, that's not what you said, but this is Jason's recap. <laughs> this is the kind of movie that you actually—it's a kind of shit movie where you have to kind of pay attention to it because clearly in every shot, the camera's not in the wrong place. The fucking actors seem to know what they're doing. Uh, uh, the the repeatedly ridiculous and unclear things that are happening are clearly happening for a reason. Like it has all these trappings of like a good thing. And I'm lost now, and I feel like it's only because we've been talking instead of watching the movie. It all made sense. There's been three plots explicated so far by this point in the movie, like ten minutes, fifteen minutes. However, uh, I found it extremely difficult. To follow, even though I was paying attention, you know, when I watched it, it doesn't by it doesn't make any sense. No, but they they're very straightforward and and serious and sober about describing uh, the events that are happening. They all think it's important. Nobody's kind of phoning it in. Uh, there's a sense of urgency, and I like the. I hate to say this, I kind of don't hate the direction in this. You know, mm-hmm. I don't hate these fucking cheese sets. I don't hate the fact that he's going to take a fucking gun right now off some pegboard. You know, <laughs> it's hanging on some pegboard, and he picks it up and and carries it around. Uh, I don't, I don't, I, I I don't hate the fact that Frank Grillo, who up to this point in the movie has just been seen driving around in the car, going fuck, I have to go the other way now, fuck, and he's apparently important. But he doesn't look important. He doesn't look... He's not dressed. Nothing's any different from any of the other people who are dressed like Blackwater fucking mercenaries. A lot of problems with the movie, but it seems... It seems so... I don't know. There's something about it that doesn't seem as bad as it is. Do you do you have this? I mean, the, the neon, right? There's too much fucking red gel, and everything's uh, kind of well. And it's looking. it's a claustrophobic movie because it's most of it is shot on a soundstage. I mean, like look at where this lady's standing right now. She looks like she's leaning yeah. against a large soundstage door. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It it it's weird when movies are like that. I I feel claustrophobic. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, this one kept changing up the same set over and over, and they, they, they got so much use out of it, and so many different looks out of each thing, and then they lit them all exactly the same, you know, to, like, take away all the good work that the production designer did. The fucking uh, gaffer came in and said, you know what, it's all got to be red anyway, and the director was like, yeah, red, red, yeah, neon. Yeah, uh, it odd, odd, odd choices. They're they're shooting. Like they're it sh- could have been. It could have been good. They're shooting. It's sort of like this one room being repurposed over yeah. and over again. Is it's very Cube, another Canadian movie. Except Cube had the concept to to go along with its. <laughs> <laughs> to go along with its low-budge cheat of one room this is the kind of many. Uh, this Cosmic Sin is the kind of movie script that you would look at and you would say to the guy, well, you know, 
what's your concept? What's your theme? What's going on in this movie? What's the actual overarching fucking story? And he's like, but I wrote 200 pages. You don't get it? It's I explained everything. Because I, I made this argument to people who didn't like my my script or something. And they're like, ah, well, you know. Uh, and I go, but it's in there. I did say that. It's right here. It's right here. Page 120. I said the thing. I said that. Uh, it makes sense to somebody. And that's clear in the in the movie. That guy. Okay, this... Because the guy you were talking about just got shot in the face several times. But this, this rounder-faced guy who's the... Uh, uh, the buddy uh, of uh, the disgraced general, apparently, uh, Die Hard. Uh, this guy, I think, had something to do with the writing of the movie, or maybe he directed it or something, this this round-faced guy. Or maybe I just told myself that while I was watching the picture. I don't know. Nor, nor do I care to know. I'd like to just say that's what happened. Because that's shit, man. I'm not a nice guy. I don't do my homework. Uh, Bruce it's Willis a much more interesting blew something up. story to me. He sure did. Apparently, uh, they blew up most of the people uh, who were attacking them then, and now it's going to be different. Frank Grillo, what's your take? Um, I th- I feel like he's in this movie for the for because I think he's a workaholic, and if if you meet his quote, whatever it is, he's going to do your movie yeah. regardless. Right. Uh, and there's, it's like sometimes they're you know a list theatrical movies, uh, uh, sometimes they're like really solid B pictures like Cop Shop uh, or like a Purge sequel, uh, and sometimes they're these like wildly low budget sci-fi movies like Skylines uh, and this thing. I remember that thing, yeah. And uh, and I'm I, asking, I, what is it? I, I respect his work ethic and that he's uh-huh. staying. Uh, he's always working and and I really like that and 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 it's interesting that he's in this with Bruce Willis who I think is in it for completely different reasons he doesn't want to work uh he wants to do as little as possible but he wants to make lots of money so I don't know it's it's interesting to me uh but uh, Grillo is an, I have friends who hate Frank Grillo I don't know why I have no problems with Frank Grillo I think he's you know he he comes and he kicks people and he shoots people and you know, he he very Eastwood esque. He doesn't have a lot of emotion, <laughs> you know. But he's amusing enough. I like Grillo. When I see that Frank Grillo is in a movie, uh, <laughs> that's that doesn't make me excited about seeing the movie for a bunch of reasons. He's one of these guys that is never in a movie that has a big enough budget to have rewritten the script sufficiently that it makes sense or that it's good. In my experience, uh, now I have not seen as many Frank Grillo movies or, or as many movies as you. Certainly, in this uh, period of time when Frank Grillo has become a movie star, which boggles me, like it does for a lot of movie stars, because I find him kind of—he's like a black hole. Mm-hmm. It's like whatever. The, if the, if he's in the shot, the camera just sort of defocuses where he is. Kind of like that that fucking Woody Allen movie where Robin Williams is out of focus. Oh, He's, He plays an actor who goes out of focus and it's like, we, you can't shoot today. I don't know what's wrong with you. Go home. Uh, it, it, Frank Grillo uh, makes the right facial expressions, but they're always the same facial expression. And here's the thing. If I see that Leonardo DiCaprio is in some movie... I have the same reaction in terms of ah, I'm not going to get any acting or what I want, you know, from an actor. I'm that I'm that way thing. with Matt Damon when I hear Matt. However, Damon 
I'm in a Leonardo DiCaprio movie, they've rewritten the script such that it, it, it probably has a certain coherence, and plus it's got these production values that are going to make up for all the things that I don't get from Leonardo DiCaprio. And in the Frank Grillo movie, those ameliorating circumstances just, uh, they don't appear. I, 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 I uh, understand. For, for me. I understand you. I, I don't, I, Grillo, uh, in when he does... Look, 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 look. Die Hard just smiled at him. And, and and it was a more real movie for the moment that fucking Bruce Willis smiled at Frank Grillo than for the entire time Frank Grillo was talking. And I guarantee you, at some point in the script, Bruce Willis said, Hey, Frank, do you want all these lines? Here, take all these take all these uh, reaction shots for you. And at the end, I'm just going to smile. Uh, you guys okay with that? Like, yeah, we can do that again. Uh, you know, if, if you want, Bruce. Yes, we're going to shoot it that way, everybody. All the reaction shots are on Frank now. Is, Bruce, uh, where are you going? Is Costas Mon- Mandalore, however you say is this guy's name, Co- Costas Mandalore, is he Canadian? Yeah, is that him? Yeah. I don't know. Because he's in know. all them He's in all them Saw sequels, you know? Oh, yeah? Is he the bad guy? Well, I don't want to spoil it for you. <laughs> 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 You're right. At some fucking point, I, I may find myself uh, crawling out of a shallow grave and saying, wow, I got to redo my life. I got to change all my habits. Where are the Saw movies? Where's Purge 1? I want to start at the beginning, but do I do it chronologically? And do I go to the fucking prequels? What do I do? Isn't there an Old West Purge now? Have they done that yet? Have they gone to the Old West and done a Purge uh, no, type? Uh, no, no. Back to the Future type uh, no, purge in the old there's west. There's no movie. old west purge. There was well after after this podcast, <clears throat> somebody will do it. I Maybe hope. the last, the last, the forever purge. Jason was about <laughs> the purge has gotten out of control. You see, and it's no, oh, no. How could that happen? They call it the forever is, purge because it's not over. It's not. It's never going to end. And this is exactly what we didn't want, Todd. Yeah. Well, uh, we wanted a little purge that lasted one night, and you know, you get your jollies off, and then after that, you behave like straight citizens. It's essentially that Shirley Jackson short story, right? Yeah. Uh, the lottery, right? Yep. And and then you're telling me now, you're telling me now that at this point in the franchise, it's just a forever purge, and so uh, is the forever purge uh, sort of. Uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, is there a guy in a in a hockey mask that's hugely muscular standing on top of a made up car, speaking into a megaphone, uh, talking to a little uh, oil refinery uh, hippie Hamlet? No. So it's not Road Warrior. It, it hasn't it hasn't no. uh, uh, hasn't gone full post apocalypse yet. M- most of it takes place on a Texas cattle ranch. Uh, huh. Run by um, maybe that's why I thought it was a uh, they made a western now maybe that it does yeah, it, well it looks the poster does make it look kind of like a weird western okay. uh, deal okay. but no it's uh, Josh Josh Lucas you know that guy yeah he, oh I love him yeah I like is him he too. wearing a hairpiece yet or is he still kind of bald no is he still he's still the same kind of balding as before he's still, he, he he still he still like, looks the same as he did basically that's awesome I love him I mean, he's a little bit you know he's a little bit more you know cracked not not like super sure cracked. sure he, he's, 
he's aged well. But when he when he broke in the '90s, he had a little bit of male pattern baldness, you know, and it was like, okay, do you arrest this? Because I'm breaking, right? I'm I'm starting to be a known actor. I'm starting to get a quote, this kind of thing. Uh, do I do I just do plugs and keep it right where it is, or do I go full on? You know what? I'm just going to plug my whole head. And now I'll have hair again. Some actors do that. Uh, uh, who's that asshole that did uh, that that uh, that script, the play that De Niro directed uh, 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 Once Upon a Time in the Bronx or oh, some fucking Chaz stupid thing. Oh, Chaz Palminteri. Chaz Palminteri, who then, you know, went full fucking, uh, you know, Asian eye lift, fucking, you know, got a, got a fucking series of ridiculous wigs that he was going to wear from now on, and then uh, graduated the plugs, it looks like, and, and then disappeared. Have you uh, seen Famke, uh, Famke Jamke in anything lately? In, no, Famke what, Jansen. Well, she was as 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 early as Taken. She was starting to become a different person. Yeah, but now uh, she in the looks physicality. Yeah, now I, I assume it's like a like a Botox collagen situation. Um, but like her face is so poofy, but mm. she looks so odd. She looks like a. Do you remember those dolls from the eighties called Monchichi? Do you remember those? No, they're a little. No. They're a little. I guess monkeys or whatever, you know, little cute okay. little monkeys, and they'd suck their thumb and stuff. And they had Monchichi, oh. Monchichi, oh, so soft and cuddly with the thumb in the mouth. They really need. I don't oh, remember that. La, la. No. Uh, they were, I remember the commercials, and they were, my, okay. I think my sister had a Monchichi. Anyway, they were cute little things, and they have like, sure. like poofy, poofy lips and poofy cheeks. So she looks that way to me now. Racist, you're a racist, Todd. You're a fucking sexist, misogynist, racist. Probably. Now, probably. Welcome. I apo- I apologize. I'm working on it. But if if it, if it's any consolation, I did if not working. I did not working do a New Year's woman. Eve show with Dave Chappelle. I didn't do that. So that's. <laughs> I should get credit. I should get credit. But if you that. had, if you had done. Would you have apologized for it as as thoroughly and honorably while still holding up your you know uh, your uh, the flag of your friendship? I thought uh, uh, Patton handled that really really pretty well. Yeah, he, sure, of course he did. Yes, uh, which isn't surprising. He didn't throw anybody under the bus and he didn't say fuck you. And and I thought that was lovely. Yeah, uh, that's that guy really impresses me. I don't like I don't you know I don't think that much of his work. Uh, but as a human being, since he became a celebrity for. I don't know what, you know, he became a celebrity and then he, his wife died and it became this thing and he got this huge media presence. Uh, I, I find him so likable and I fucking hate everybody. But I thought he's, he's carried himself. Speaking of which, Saget, apparently uh, yeah. uh, the, the Saudis, Saudi Arabia kicked me off Twitter because I made fun of their uh, interior minister. I made fun of his fucking rug. Uh, really? His, his, really? His wig. Yeah, I made, I made a joke about his wig about two years ago and... Instantly, like within that day, I, I was kicked off Twitter, and I've been kicked off Twitter ever since. Like, there's no, there's been no fucking. Because you made uh, fun of a they, guy's wig. Well, it wasn't just a guy; it was the Saudi interior minister. You know, it was right. the guy that helped fucking cut up that uh, Washington Post journalist and put him in a fucking Louis Vuitton bag. And so, you know, it wasn't just some guy; it was a very powerful, very terrifying guy. Because uh, I'm a fucking idiot, and so uh, I don't get to go on Twitter. But apparently, the Bob Saget uh, uh, d roasts or whatever have been happening since he died yesterday or whatever, and uh, uh, apparently a, a greatly beloved 
figure among comics and and the sure. outpouring of love every time one of these comics dies you know all the other comics go ah he's my best friend he was so great i have this theory about why that happened for bob saget okay. which is uh uh typically jason it's kind of uncharitable but bob saget was not a very good stand-up comic you know, he had this huge success in these other arenas, and his stand-up comedy was kind of caca, pee-pee. And, and uh, I, I have this theory that if you knew him, you probably played a lot of sets where he was the draw, right? Uh, uh, Bob Sag is a huge draw. And then you get to be a guy who was on the bill and a way funnier comic than the draw. And so this, and plus he apparently was a super nice guy. Everybody liked him. So those two things together, I think, uh, uh, explicate the outpouring of, of love and affection uh, for a guy who was essentially, I think, largely forgotten since he did his Full House thing or whatever that show was and then kind of, kind of, you know, did not... I don't know. Has he maintained uh, a, a large uh, media footprint well, since that show? I- I mean, he, like he made documentaries and stuff, I believe. Uh, but yeah, he did kind of he did kind of shit that you would hope that you would do when you got the packet of money and said, "Okay, I don't have to go on there and pretend to be somebody's uncle anymore. I can just fuck yeah, around. yeah." He seems to have gone that way, which well, is, uh, you know, and a him lot, and a lot of people respect that. Him and Norm were like best friends. Uh, yeah, uh, he seems to have been good friends with uh, a lot of the right people who seem to have. Uh, so yeah, a, a lot of uh, a lot of love and a lot of respect seem to have gone in his direction more than I would have expected just for his stand-up because his stand-up wasn't particularly groundbreaking or interesting. Uh, uh, I think universally uh, believed so. So I think probably a lot of people appreciated him for hanging around anyway and letting them look better, which uh, uh, appears to have been kind of his thing anyway. So apparently a good guy. Good for him. His did you see his tearful thing? Yeah, after Norm died, uh, his. Uh, Saget released a video like that day or the day after or something, and it just you know a, a webcam thing of himself crying and talking about Norm Macdonald. It's just really moving. Like he was he was clearly very upset. He might be a little drunk in this thing, but he might just be in the throes of grief. And uh, it's very moving, very sweet. Yeah. Um, uh, talk about Bruce Willis for a few minutes because I have to pee. I'll be right back. Oh man, that is some rough fucking trade right there thanks buddy there's there's nothing about bruce well okay here's how this happened in the first place i made uh on a previous edition of this podcast i made a terrible blunder when i said that uh uh i I think i held up tom hanks versus bruce willis as these 80s stars who uh you know became superstars and uh i thought that bruce willis had an edge in terms of uh, making more interesting indie movies occasionally, weird little crash and burn things and weird little success things like Pulp Fiction, this kind of shit, uh, when he didn't have to, when he could have stayed with the money versus Tom Hanks, who has never made an interesting little indie movie and fucking always goes for the money no matter what and consistently works with fucking dumbbells like Robert Zemeckis and Steven Spielberg on these projects that are just fucking garbage and very you know intended to be pap that makes everybody stupid and creates uh, a a dumber consumer essentially so 
uh, that's uh, why I made this stupid, stupid error of telling Todd <laughs> that uh, that I thought that uh, versus Tom Hanks, who always goes for the goddamn dollar, at least uh, the, there was a period, I didn't say this, uh, but there was a period when, uh, when uh, uh, Bruce Willis did do interesting little indie projects where he played a murderer, he played against type, you know, this kind of thing, Keanu. Uh, uh, does this uh, uh, and and I should have said yeah in the 90s I should have said because now of course Bruce Willis is a poster boy for fucking retirement with benefits because uh, these these terrible straight to video movies that he makes that's not what I meant when I said uh, Bruce Willis makes interesting little uh, indies even though he doesn't have to now, uh, you mentioned something about how uh, he wants to make a lot of money but doesn't want to work. Well, and that's what Stallone said. That's what Stallone said. I don't... I, I, uh, about I, Bruce Willis? Yeah. He said he's, he's uh, lazy and he's cheap. That's what he said. When, uh, when uh, Bruce Willis priced himself out of The Expendables 3. He did, huh? Yeah. And, and Stallone publicly said he's a piece of shit but and, and, and when uh what was it Gla- glass is, that the, is glass the one where not yeah is it glass yeah glass is the one that combines yeah, yeah, yeah. unbreakable yeah. and split yeah uh, so yeah he when he was doing m night was doing the uh you know the the pr stuff for the for the movie promoting the movie he wouldn't he said no bruce willis bruce can't do any uh can't do any interviews no he's senile that's what he said really yeah so no he's senile so i you know i don't know he bruce willis seven movies last year seven how many for uh steven seagal last year uh seagal had none none i don't think oh maybe one came out but he's really slowed down uh, in the last since couple he of lives years. in Russia and he, and they have to shoot in Russia, yeah, to make a movie with him, yeah, exactly. Uh, Not everybody wants to go to Putin's country to. Well, make and he's wanted straight to video picture. He's wanted on sex trafficking charges in a couple of states here. So is he? Yeah, so it might be harder to to crew up. Uh, but I mean, you know, he he's got mobsters. I'm sure who could make a movie for him if he wanted, but I don't know. Yeah, but does he really want to get any more beholden to the fucking Russia and Russian interests? I mean, uh, he, he, he can't be he can't be as stupid as he seems. <laughs> I mean, Trump's not as stupid as he seems. He's fucking stupid and, and unable to capitalize on any of this shit and did it all for a lark. But he's not as stupid as he seems. That would be impossible. So wait, so this is the moment, or right before this, while you were uh, away... For a minute, this movie turns into Stargate, right? It, it, essentially, they they it, right? Yeah, isn't yeah. that what happens when they all get on a platform and they all kind of yeah, uh, like they get on the transporter or something? Mm-hmm. And so, don't they? Doesn't this movie end with them having to throw a bomb through the Stargate, just like Stargate? Does that happen, or am I remembering it wrong? Uh, I can't remember. Probably. I mean, most of this movie is just like people shooting big dumb laser guns at each other. Well, at least when they got to this planet, the guns got bigger. 
And there's a girl with uh, yellow braids. And I'm a fucking... Oh, dude, I am such a sucker. This is so awful. This is so fucking 50-year-old man of me. Okay, do you remember the... Uh, is it Sonic Youth? Who does that song, uh, uh, Bull in the Heather, from when we were uh, young and uh -huh. still... I have no idea. I couldn't tell. I couldn't uh, name one Sonic right. Youth song. <laughs> Not there, one. There's. I think it's Sonic Youth, uh, uh, and uh, Kim Gordon is uh, the uh, sort of the the front man of this band. And in this one video, uh, and I, I find Sonic Youth fairly uninteresting musically. Kathleen Hanna, their friend, who was uh, I think had something to do with Bikini Kill, and then she was La Tigre. I'm a huge fan of Kathleen Hanna's work. And she just dances around in Sonic Youth's video because she's a friend of the band and she steals this fucking piece of art. I've watched it in the last, and I've never masturbated to this. So I want to, I want to put that up front. It isn't quite that creepy or maybe it's creepier because I'm not <laughs> masturbating to it. But Kathleen Hanna dancing around being this riot girl and being all sexy and fun, playing the sexy fun uh, part in this video and stealing this video from the very band that is uh, playing it uh, around her uh, you know, for three minutes. Uh, I'm so overwhelmed with love for Kathleen Hanna that probably if you asked me why I brought her up right now in this video, why that came up, Oh, this this. It was the yellow, the yellow, the yellow. It was the braids. girl in the yellow braids. Yeah, Kathleen Hanna's got these little, uh, little uh, sideways pigtails out of this, and she's she's making fun of how cute she is, and making fun of me for uh, thinking how cute she is, and yet she's she her persona isn't cock tease. It's you kind of wish you were this cool, mm -hmm. and that's a rock star thing. And the fact that she owns it so much better, I think, than a lot of the. A lot of uh, uh, rock stars who, whether they're male or female, they go for this kind of overt kind of, uh, you know, Motley Crue type attitude. You know, that's their persona is this kind of bigger than life kind of sexy. And a lot of the women turn into men when they're front men and they do this thing. A lot of them turn into Vince Neil no matter what sex they are. And it's kind of boring. And the way <laughs> Kathleen Hanna does it is so much better. And it has something to do with these braids, which taps into something creepy and a lot of the people who are watching it, and that's part of the flip. That's part of the mm -hmm. that's part of the thing. And in this movie, right, as soon as they get to this planet, there's a little color right away woven into this girl's braids. There are these things repeatedly in this movie that kind of take me by the shoulder and go, Hey, Jason, Jason, you're still watching a movie. Mm -hmm. And I go, Oh, oh right, right. And and now the costumes are different, right? There's actual different, you know, there's new characters. It reinvents itself every, I don't know, half hour or something, this movie. It kind of turns into something else, uh, at least for the first two half hours. And then I don't remember anything that happens later. This is kind of the last thing I remember in the movie is these yellow braids. The thing I remember is uh, Bruce Willis uh, sadly downing a whiskey and then leaving uh, the movie at the very end. That's what I remember. <laughs> Well, uh, maybe your consciousness lasted longer than mine. You know, <laughs> he drinks. You're a, you're a, you're he drinks. a stronger person. Uh, maybe I'm remembering wrong, but I'm pretty sure he like has a whiskey. He like he has a sad conversation with Frank Grillo or some fool. Or uh, Grillo, I think, dies at the end. But he's talking to some fool, uh, and then he sadly drinks whiskey, and then turns and then walks towards what is clearly a, a door on a soundstage. Uh, <laughs> 
and then he just leaves. Because <laughs> the fucking movie's over. Why is he? Why would he stay in the movie? He's got to go. Yeah, he's got six more know. fucking movies to make this the last year. <laughs> I'm on my way, man. He's going I, to the soundstage next door to do a fucking Scott Eastwood movie or some fucking another Saban. <laughs> he just like all of his seven movies were shot within 48 hours. He was just walking from one soundstage to another. I had no idea what any of it was. Uh, Bruce, you don't drink whiskey in this one. I actually I do. <laughs> I'm gonna gonna drink whiskey in this one. And when he walks out in this in this shot, I don't remember, but you're describing. What are the what's the what are the chances that he was just like, yeah, I'm done, and left, and they you know they put the camera on him because they were filming him <laughs> at that moment. And he's like, I'm gonna quit this movie right now, and walks away. <laughs> and then they and they're were like, I like, ah, keep it. We got at least we we got the coverage. She left. I guess check the gate, but it doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah, if we didn't get this shot, then uh, we'll just show something blowing up later. <laughs> it is what it is. Well, or his or his body double, because uh, yeah, li- yeah. Th- this uh, guy on Twitter <laughs> like just did a breakdown of the seven movies. It's pretty great. <laughs> his name is Mark Hansen at, at Mahaha Film. Um, but okay. he does a breakdown. Like number seven is "Survive the Game" with some fool named Michael Murray. Um, mm. Lame, boring siege film. Like he does these little little paragraph write ups that are just uh-huh. they're uh-huh. they're wonderful. Number six is called "Out of Death" with some lady named Jamie King. And then there's one "Out of Death." Yeah, with Jamie King and Bruce Willis. He is a, it's a southern fried thriller where Bruce goes up uh-huh. against corrupt local cops. He mostly just wanders aimlessly around the woods, but at least he's on his feet. That's well, yeah, we're in the woods right now in this picture, and I wonder if there was any uh, you know reciprocity. Hey, do you have any extra Bruce Willis footage in the woods? It's just kind of just his head. Where yeah, you can't we, see the we got some leftover shit from out of death. Well, yeah, we'll bring it over. <laughs> so, wow, this is a cheap. What, uh, Cheap sci-fi horror adventure where everyone is outfitted in spacesuits that look like laser tag vests. There's a funny opening scene where Bruce dispatches with a bunch of goons while remaining seated at a bar. But that's it. (laughs) (laughs) That is kind of it. Holy fuck, there's another 40 minutes of this movie. Yeah, I know. Uh, Holy shit. Then there's one called Deadlock with Patrick Muldoon. Do you remember Patrick Muldoon? Yeah, I can't remember if I liked him or not. It's been so long. He was in Starship Troopers. Uh, yeah. Oh yes, I do love him. Yes, uh, uh, and he kind of—I I thought he was—he was so great and so charismatic and such a much better actor than Casper Van Dien in that movie that I—I I thought he was going to be a real comer, and then he, it apparently didn't help him out. Well, he got—he did get uh, the lead role in uh, uh, the Arrival Two uh, mm. when Charlie Sheen wasn't available so, so fucked up it, it's just so fucked up what happens i mean he's that muldoon guy's got the jason patrick element you know he's got that danger in his eyes and the strong chin and he can deliver a line and he looks like he's full of himself which is you need that for a movie star i thought he had everything i really really did yeah it's a bummer that he's still making these shitty bruce willis movies well i mean uh, at maybe least he's it's doing excellent that. that he's, I mean, he's doing, doing that. that exactly I mean, I, exactly I, I, i'll tell you what i mean fine it may look like a sci-fi channel career, you know, uh, like uh, like uh, America's John Schneider has, you know. Yeah. It may yeah. look yeah. like to the outsider, Hasselhoff or whatever, it, it might look 
to 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 most people like Jesus, that's fucking sad. This guy has just been relegated to making these shoestring budget sci-fi. That's channels. right. I'm, I'm making this I'm, is, I'm making a ridiculous. This uh, is my uh, dream, Jason. There. This is yes, what I, I want know. to do. I, know. I just hey, want- it was mine when I got to make one sci-fi channel movie. I thought, fuck, I could do this regular, and I I'd get to be in other countries and and have you know exotic fucking cough. You know, after I was there for two days and still have to work and 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 get paid, you know, it was ridiculous. I, I, I get a couple months rent every time I fly out of the country. It was fucking awesome. And uh, it never happened again. And yes, I'm very disappointed about it. So you're absolutely right. I'm, I'm, I'm saying ridiculous things. However, uh, <laughs> as you say, most of us, most of the, uh, 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 you know, consuming public, we most of us think in terms of, uh, you know, giant Disney affairs or bust. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that, that you're, you're silly if you're making money working on some second or third tier project. And, of course, that's ridiculous. You know, it is, it is uh, worthy of ridicule to think <laughs> that, uh, that there's no, you know, that there's no hope in, in being Jason Statham and making these, you know, 27 B pictures in a row that are none of them really watchable and none of them really turn offable. And it, you know, nobody cares. He fucking cares. You know, he gets money every time. Yeah, that's true. Man, yeah, Wrath yeah, of Man right. was one of the most boring movies of the year of 2021, I thought. Now, wait, is that different from Wrath with uh, with uh, John Travolta? Yeah, no, Wrath of Man is a Guy Ritchie-directed Jason Statham, you know, ah. crime thriller. It's deeply dull, and, and Jason Statham looks so fucking bored. Through the whole movie, I've never seen anyone, which is weird because like Guy Ritchie made him, so you'd think yeah they'd be just happy like rolling around in their piles yeah, of but, cash but, together. But, but but you got to keep in mind that uh, since that seminal moment of uh, uh, the what's the one not Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels, Snatch. but the good one after Snatch. that Snatch. Uh, the, the 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 apex moment of snatch right and uh, hey i'm fucking madonna hey i'm marrying madonna hey now my friend's a movie star and he doesn't even have to be in my movies anymore it's 20 years ago you know and and we're already divorced from madonna our kid with madonna is already selling you know these shitty fucking student quality paintings uh, <laughs> at, 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 you know we, we we have adult children with madonna now you know it's been a long time and statham uh, and he are probably, you know, they're friends. They probably go through ups and downs. And at this point, maybe they were bored. I tell you what, of the Guy Ritchie movies starring anyone, including some of the most delightful actors on earth, uh, I am always, always, always bored watching it unless it's Snatch. That's the only one of his movies that's fucking watchable in the fucking least to me. And so uh, it does not surprise me in the least. You don't like that, them. Uh, uh, somebody, somebody in one of those movies would be bored. You don't like one of them uh, steampunk Sherlock movies. You don't like those. They've got everything that uh, such a movie needs, except a script and a director. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know they're they're cast within an inch of their lives. They're produced to 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 nearly to death. And uh, there's just the camera's always in the wrong place, and the fucking writing goes south every five minutes. You know, you think there's something gone, you think you're getting some some momentum. Oh, here's a motif, and then there's just fucking rock and roll music again, and you're cutting for no reason every time. And why is the camera on the ceiling? What the fuck is going on? Yeah, I don't like Guy Ritchie. 
as a as an artist you know he's probably a real real nice guy although he did say once that kissing madonna was like kissing a piece of gristle which if you're gonna make fun of somebody whose ass i masturbated to in the true blue video like 500 fucking times when i was a kid you're an asshole and i'm not gonna like you you know but that's totally separate from how i feel about his work right right Jason, Jason has spoken <laughs> about uh, his. Guy. He's put his wow. foot down about Richie. Wow. wow. Yeah, I get you. Wow. I get you. Hey, do you know about the bad art friend controversy? Uh, since we're ostensibly talking about art and whether it's good or bad and what that means, there's a thing that's been going on. A guy in the New York Times Magazine wrote up a, a little uh, synopsis of this uh, a few months ago, and it's an ongoing sort of. Uh, Twitter fiasco, but this, uh, essentially this uh, unpublished, uh, studious, uh, trying to be a writer, writer woman, uh, uh, white, this becomes an important thing, she's a white person, uh, she decided to uh, donate a kidney and uh, kind of, kind of embarrassingly made a big deal out of it and, and kind of, uh, you know, started, you know, Facebook groups and started, uh, uh, she, she, she tried to make some it looks kind of like she tried to make some hay out of the fact that she did this altruistic thing, which sort of you know suggests that maybe it wasn't all that altruistic in the first place. Whatever for her, she seems through all this to have been a nice, very clueless, uh, well-meaning, uh, but 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 you know pretty clueless uh, act of privilege that she gave gave away a kidney and then kind of tried to capitalize it on it politically, mm-hmm. uh, maybe for the benefit of her career. It's not really clear. Uh, she makes this private Facebook group uh, uh, to talk about it and publishes the letter uh, that she wrote to the uh, recipient of her kidney. Uh, uh, and it went into a kind of a lottery thing, but she wrote this generic letter to whoever gets my kidney, blah, blah, blah. And it's pretty embarrassing, the writing. It's pretty, pretty, uh, pretty gross. It's pretty sad. <laughs> It, it cringy, you know. It, the whole thing is cringy. Like, uh, like a Lily Sobieski reading that poem on the Tonight Show with Jay Leno after nine eleven, like that bad. <laughs> I didn't. I boy, if, if I saw that, I've blocked it out. That sounds really embarrassing. Uh, maybe worse because she actually cut out one of her working organs and donated it to to make this sacrifice, which makes it even sadder. You know, I mean, sure, some actor writing a poem probably is going to be embarrassing and cringy and especially if you're trying to fucking you know somehow ameliorate uh you know a terrorist attack where thousands of people are killed that sounds bad boy i'm glad i didn't see. now you're going to make me look it up i'll look it up right now so she does this cringe thing and she notices that in her private facebook group where she published this you know this 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 uh <laughs> rather poetic little letter to whoever gets my kidney. I've been working for you all this time. It's I, I just I think of you and I think of what I can give and it makes me feel so good. It's kind of gross, kind of a gross letter. And she notices that one person uh, out of her whole private Facebook, private Facebook group uh, has never responded to any of the things, just hanging out there, kind of watching what's going on. Mm-hmm. And this uh, woman who gave away her kidney is very, very conscious of uh, trying to gauge reaction to her having done this fucking selfless act so she calls this girl uh texts her you know through the hey uh i see you're in the group you don't react to anything very ballsy this woman yeah what's happening and and her her friend that she met once or something who's in the facebook group says uh, oh yeah oh right you gave away a kidney congratulations uh, really selfless really great 
So that's the extent of their exchange for a year until a friend says uh, to the kidney girl, hey, uh, did you know that that friend of yours, uh, uh, don't you know her? She wrote a short story about uh, somebody donating a kidney and it won these awards and stuff. And it's going to be handed out to everybody in Boston that subscribes to the fucking Boston Herald or something. There's a thing every year where they, they give one short story. And so 30,000 people are going to read this short story. And it seems like it's kind of about you. And so, so, so the kidney woman uh, gets a hold of a copy of the story or something. Uh, uh, and geez, it seems it quotes her fucking letter like verbatim and stuff. And it's clearly about this asshole woman of privilege who donates a fucking kidney to, not surprisingly, the author of this short story is an Asian American woman. Uh, so in this story, the, the kidney is donated from a white woman of privilege to these poor Asian-American uh, family. The, the woman gets it, and uh, the wife gets it. And then they have to host this creep who wants to take selfies with them in their poverty-stricken house to make herself feel better about giving away a kidney. And the, the, the actual letter is quoted uh, uh, at some length in some version of the, some draft of the story. And eventually, this turns into lawsuits on both sides. It, it escalates the situation uh, because she calls her out and says, what are you doing, my friend? Why are you uh, writing this thing that's about me? And, and uh, oh, it's not really about you. And uh, it appears to be about her. It quotes her fucking letter. So uh, through discovery with the various lawsuits that are going on after this because uh, uh, you're plagiarizing me, um, we get to see the private email and text correspondence between the girl who wrote the uh, the woman who wrote the short story and all her friends who are also all the friends who are in the private Facebook group of this poor woman who just made the terrible blunder of publicizing the fact of her altruism. Uh, all of her friends were making fun of her this whole time. They were all like, did you write that story? Yeah, the stupid bitch. Oh my God, did you keep, are you going to change that part about the letter? I don't know. The letter's too perfect. I can't take it out. She's so gross. And so now that's all in discovery in the process of these uh, lawsuits in which she, she eventually uh, reworded the letter in the story, but never got rid of it. And it's clearly, uh, uh, pretty clearly uh, just a mean girl thing that she did and got a lot of press for it. And then once the lawsuits got involved, now the story's been canceled everywhere. It's, it's been pulled out of print. Uh, it's been placed in a couple already. It's been in a couple of published anthologies. And so they couldn't undo that somehow. But now it's it's turned bad for, for the woman who wrote the short story. And obviously it doesn't look great. Uh, it's not a great take. Uh, most people think the girl who donated their kidney and then made a kerfuffle about this uh, person ripping off her fucking story. Uh, she didn't capitalize on the story. Her friend did. Yeah. Uh, but it was but it was uh, basically a gesture of uh, defiance and, and mockery. And so uh, it's a fascinating thing about how art gets created, right? And I think of this in terms of a movie like Cosmic Sin mm -hmm. because... Somebody wrote this. Somebody had this impulse, right, to do this movie that not only has space travel and stuff, but everybody gets to walk around in one of those Tom Cruise suits from that, you know, Live, Die, Repeat movie. And uh, at what point did those those metal exoskeleton uh, battle suits for science fiction movie? At what point did those become de rigueur and everybody has to wear one? Was it with die, Live, Die, Repeat, or was it before that? Ah. Uh... Well, I mean, Armageddon, actually, Bruce Willis was wearing an exoskeleton suit that doesn't look it was? unlike this. It was orange like this, yeah. Um, Interesting. I mean, Do you think this is, this is that one? Is this his? It's highly possible that, yeah, it's highly possible. <laughs> 
uh, I wouldn't put it past past them. So somebody has the impulse to do this thing, right? And it's part of that act of of uh, every piece of literature that's uh, uh, that's uh, community based, right? That that's uh, requires a, a crew that requires a, 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 you know collaboration, right? A collaborative effort. Um, these things are all essentially an exquisite corpse where somebody starts writes the first line and then somebody starts to write the second line and then somebody else is going to write the third line because the guy who lights it isn't thinking about you know necessarily uh, uh, making sure that that fucking design sconce that you put on the wall is, is properly lit and the director has to make those decisions not the prop guy not the set dresser and these uh, these collaborative efforts remind me of what happens when you live some event and then you think this would make a great story this thing that happened to me oh you know and this is the impulse of a lot of these uh, solo shows you know how i fought my eating disorder or how you know i found out that my father wasn't really my father and these kinds of you know essentially uh mundane uh you know happens you know fairly commonly uh type story that gets inflated in our minds because it's our story and we think this Mm -hmm. is important and if all you did was make a, a, a solo show out of your thing and somebody else wrote, you know, a movie that starred Bette Midler and fucking, you know, Cher, you'd feel bad and you'd feel ripped off and you'd feel... <laughs> and in a movie, though, if you start out with a movie script and you go, hey, does Saban want to produce my movie? Yeah, and you can direct it. Oh, my God, you get to be in it. and Oh, my God. Uh, you have to give up all this authority and all this uh, because, you know, you're making a, a, a movie and you're not, you know, just writing something to your head anymore you're not sitting in your little room typing where you're the god you're you know giving this stuff away to producers and you're giving it away to technicians and i i I find an interesting clarity in this uh this the this act it's essentially this this woman who gave away her kidney strikes me as as a, a screenwriter who threw out an idea you know maybe maybe uh uh you know in the pitch she had the log line but she, she didn't write anything, you know? Mm-hmm. And so this log line, she basically gave it away to the world. Didn't do anything about it for literally a couple of years. Now, granted, she's recovering from kidney surgery. Uh, you know, she doesn't have one anymore. She's got some things that are going on in her life where it's not easy to capitalize on this thing that she did, but she really didn't. And then somebody else did, and they're not in a collaborative media, so they're automatically uh, competitors. You know, yeah. they're automatically at odds. And in a weird way, uh, this whole thing, uh, I really recommend this New York Times article about the bad art friend. Because uh, all these people who she thought were her friends were actually just mean girls. Because whoever was in the ascendant, whoever was the successful one, all these art people, all these writers, all this, you know, this community that this woman thought she had among the writers in Boston turned out. It was the opposite of a collaborative, creative, uh, 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 you know, nurturing environment. It was, in fact, uh, every man for himself. And kind well, of in a way, it kind of it kind of, it kind of makes uh, these these uh, more artistic types seem less humane and less uh, kind than than a movie system, you know, in which uh, you know they're 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 famously unkind and cruel. Uh, you know, we use Hollywood as a as a uh, as an example of people behaving badly, usually. But in this case, uh, maybe the literary Boston types are actually uh, actually worse sometimes. 
Yeah, that's pretty. Uh, do, is or, that or just as bad? Do you do you pay money for the New York Times? Uh, I started to because a friend of mine uh, clued me into uh, this story and sent me a link to it, and I said, "Ah, fuck!" And because it's the new year. I'm paying $4 for a month of the New York Times, and we'll see if I continue. But that seemed reasonable to, to follow up the threads of this article, uh, of this story. And, uh, yeah, so I started doing that, yeah. Right. I, 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 I dislike a large institution, I specifically the New York Times. I think they're very bad for the country. I think they make uh, very counter-revolutionary gestures about... Uh, how this country should go? They're they're pretend they pretend to be sort of liberal and uh, progressive, and in fact they're just uh, kind of gross to me. However, the writing is very nice, and a lot of the a lot of the stuff that isn't politics or or actual news about what happened in a fucking riot or a strike or you know something important, which I think they usually get wrong. Uh, I really like their feature writing and I find that uh, it's very comforting to be wrapped in good prose a lot of the time sure so that's kind of my trade-off and a story like this is worth four dollars to me yeah so yes uh, I've started paying for it I Isn't already it gross, get, I, I get the LA Times and I would love to read that article but I don't want to pay for another newspaper but I mean maybe I should uh-huh. just switch <laughs> to the New York Times because the LA Times on Sunday their big article was about like some Olympic Swimmer who was at the, uh, you know, at the uh, insurrection, uh, January sixth, mm. and I was like, but that guy still. I, it was, uh, it was, and it was, it was in the, fr- it was front page. It was the biggest article on the front page of, of Sunday, and then it, there were entire, like maybe four or five entire newspaper pages dedicated to this fucking guy's story, and I'm like. You know, why are you analyzing? The guy's a fucking moron. He was a moron when he was an Olympic champion, too. He just, now that he's got more time on his hands, he can be a fucking terrorist. I don't know why we need to figure that one out. Do, I'd rather you remember read about, about the story. Ten years ago, about, uh, the LA Times got some Pulitzers for uh, breaking a story about the city of Bell. And it's this corrupt city council that was some of them were making like eight hundred thousand dollars a year, and nobody got their garbage picked up. You know, the city services had gone south because essentially the entire city budget had been going to the city council in open meetings. They were this none of this was hidden, but because no the L.A. Times had fired everybody that uh, that used to work as stringers, they had to get a tip about this. You know, nobody was covering city council meetings in the far flung reaches of L.A. County or L.A. City even. And so once they got this tip, it became a huge story. A bunch of people went to jail. Uh, uh, Bell was exposed as this you know, entirely corrupt community that fucked over all the blue-collar uh, families that worked there. And it was a terrible place to live because of these assholes. This huge uh, story that won them these prizes uh, was only possible because they got a tip because uh, the LA Times had already fired all their string. Half the people that got Pulitzers for this article about Bell I don't work at the LA Times anymore and don't work anywhere because the LA Times, uh, everybody I knew who, who uh, ever contributed to the New York Times doesn't anymore because they fired everybody, just like most of the newspapers. And so I worry, you know, if I'm going to spend my media dollar on the LA Times, which I would like to because I'd like to know what the fuck is going on in my town, I, 
I don't trust them. A lot of their a lot of their stuff is just AP. A lot of their original content uh, there isn't as much. Uh, you know, they, obviously they, they they threw a lot of money at the swimmer story. It's sad but. to me. That my kid, you know, in, in uh, school, um, he has a list of of sources that are okay to use as references and research and reports and all that stuff. And uh, the LA Times is not on that list. It's like there's like 10 like literally National Geographic is on the list, which blew my mind because this is a magazine owned and operated by yep. the same fucking guy who owns and operates Fox News. So that's so is, crazy. So is Fox is Fox not on the list? I, no, Fox is not on the list. There were no there's no 24-hour news channels on the list. No. Um, I just found it really interesting that the LA Times is nowhere nowhere near the Yeah, I think it's uh, I think uh, it's it's fallen from its former glory which was never Washington Post or New York Times type glory and that's my take on what happened and it's a drag because it's a pretty big fucking city you know yeah. a lot of important stuff happens here and you know who covers it fucking AP and so AP, you know the same AP article about whatever happens in LA is in the Washington Post it's in the New York Times and it's in the fucking LA Times and so in terms of manufacturing consent, you know, this is how that happens. Right. Uh, uh, you know who's got the fucking money to cover L.A.? Rupert Murdoch. And so every story that comes out of L.A. is how these fucking truthers were attacked by fucking hippies, you know, at, at all these anti-mask rallies, which is not what happened in any of these cases. You know, the actual video from these places shows... Uh, the police allowing Proud Boys to beat up these fucking counter protesters at these at these uh, mask rallies, these anti-mask rallies. Uh, did you hear about the uh, assistant uh, DA in Orange County? Maybe uh, she had. Uh, she oh. looks like a Fox News blonde. Yeah, uh, yeah, She looks like she she was gearing up for a career in Fox News as a commentator or something, and she was very anti-mask and uh, anti-vax from before COVID. She was just an anti-vaxxer kind of in general and very typical of an L.A., uh, 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 sorry, uh, very typical of an Orange County public servant. Uh, she was a rabid Republican and, and uh, pretty crazy and went to a lot of these anti-mask rallies and went to one the week before she died of COVID, which was, I guess, a week ago. Um these things are still happening. You know, these kind of jokes we're still telling, and they're still funny. And that'll never end. And apparently, this whole thing is a forever purge. Yeah. You know, we're, we're not getting out of this, it doesn't look like. This is just this ongoing thing where some of us are going to be wearing masks for the rest of our lives, and some of us aren't. And people are going to die on both sides, and so nobody will learn anything. Because most of us will just take our news from CNN, and you know the other the other most of us will just take our news from Fox, and that'll be that'll be the way it continues. Yeah, and it seems like that's that's the uh, uh, that's the way it makes the most money. I think you know that's the way there's the most terror. That's the way you can sell the most fear, uh, and uh, you know MSNBC sells as much fear as Fox does. Uh, they just don't sell it as well. You know, they're not as successful at getting that message out. Yeah, it's interesting just like the trickle down of leadership to I, I just like I don't I don't understand why at this point my son's high school is still open. Yeah. Um I don't get I mean it, it's just like the, the money. Testing. I think money is No, no, uh, it's probably because people uh, need their thing. free daycare so they can go to work so they can 
pay for their Netflix subscriptions. I'm I, saying it, yeah. people can't go to work if they have to take care of the kids. No, know? no, exactly. That's, I, I, that's yeah. a problem. But it also suggests – it's a bummer, I think, because it just suggests that our education system, that's all it is. It's free daycare. It's not about yep. learning and that fucking pisses me off. Um, but also, I, It certainly like, wasn't about learning when I was there. Both my wife's school and my son's school, they, they had PCR testing. Uh, at my wife's school, it was mandatory. Everybody had to come in two days before they were opening back up after the break to get their PCR test, right? Yeah. But PCR tests, especially right now, you know, they take can take up to 72 hours or in my case, they take 5 fucking days because they're backed up right now. So mm-hmm. so they're reopening the school but nobody had nobody had results, you know? So that doesn't make any sense. And my son's school, it was it was not mandatory. They offered them uh, you could voluntarily take a PCR test on the Wednesday that they were back in school. So my son is back in classes, in-person learning. They, everybody has to wear masks at school, granted. But they're taking these PCR tests, and then they're just going back to class. And I'm like, well, that doesn't really make a lot of sense. What it should be is PCR tests, and then n- there's no school until everybody's got results. And then the people who are fucking positive don't go to school. As opposed now to you've run, finding out yeah. after the fact. Oh yeah, yeah as, as, a, as opposed to doing it in the right order because that. Now my my counter argument, uh, devilish and uh, uh, halfway serious, is that you've run a business and you know what it's like to have to get all that shit done in the right order. And you know, uh, eh, I'll guess that when you were running uh, your businesses, you don't have a bunch of parents. In your fucking oh, face, God. up your ass the whole time, and you don't have a bunch of government institutions saying, you know, I mean, what you have to worry about is taxes, payroll. When you're, you know, running this, I feel sorry for anybody. I mean, that's why in LA County, we haven't had a fucking, uh, 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 what do you call the big principal? The superintendent. We haven't, had, we haven't had a superintendent that lasted five years in fucking memory. It's a horrible, horrible, horrible job, and you're scapegoated for everything. And the decisions you do don't make any fucking difference anyway, because the next guy's gonna uh, uh, either, you know, do them, and it'll be his problem, or he'll he'll change it up, and that'll be his problem, and then he'll be fired. And this, it's it's insane. You know, the the I didn't read this morning, but the Chicago Teachers Union had basically said, no, we're not going back, and everybody else said, you're going back. And all the all the teachers said, "No, we're not going to fucking fuck you." And so there, you know, it's still as late as last night when I went to bed. It was a question whether they were going to go to school today. Um, and so I, I I find this kind of forever thinking, this normalization of trauma and 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 uh, you know, a lack of certainty about anything, and the kind of lack of clarity. As far as new normals go. Uh, it seems to me pretty clear that this is an outcome that a lot of interests like. A lot of, you know, if, if, if uh, this circumstance in which we're sick and weak and uh, barely able to go to work and we have to go to work in fear and we have to send our kids to school in fear and we have to take recourse and uh, uh, find some solace in our end of the political spectrum, which is actually not very far apart uh, in this country, that those are our saviors, that makes a lot of people money, you know? And, and it, uh, the, the idea that uh, the Supreme Court's going to deny the mask uh, mandates for work 
workplace uh, circumstances is uh, it's pretty clear. Uh, it's pretty set. And that's the way things are going to be. And that's kind of the way the money wants it. And that's kind of the way uh, we're accepting it. You know, yeah. a lot of people are just looking to see what their school district's going to do and say, well, I guess they know. And it's their fucking kids. Yeah. I guess they know what they're doing. <clears throat> well, yeah, it's uh, it's hard when, uh, you know, leadership is uh, as it is, mixed messages. And it's I understand people being confused. I, I don't think there's another way to be right now. No. You know, I, I'm not sure we're getting a straight answer. From anybody, even the uh, much maligned Dr. Fauci, um, you know, was uh, 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 clearly uh, attenuating his message depending on the point of the pandemic that we were in at a given time. You know, do this, don't do that. Well, you know, yes, you could always do this, but I wanted you to do this at a specific time. That's not necessarily uh, underhanded of him. That's, uh, you know, science trying to handle a problem. Hey, we haven't even talked about don't look up. And oh yeah, which which everybody's taking as a climate metaphor, and it seems to me to be uh, an extremely clear uh, COVID metaphor and the response to COVID. That's uh, what I, I thought. I, didn't, I, I, I haven't thought of it. all the media report, all the reviews I've read. Everybody talks about how it's about climate change. It did not seem that way to me at all. It seemed to me about how Trump handled the fucking COVID yeah. pandemic. Uh, did you like it? Uh, yeah, I like Don't Look Up. I mean. I think it's, it's exactly how I feel about it. I, I think it's a, uh. it's flawed. It's I I I agree with its messaging, um, but I'm not going to sit here and say it's a great fucking movie because of that. <laughs> it's, yeah, exactly. It's, it, it had large swaths of time where I was bored, uh, and large swaths of time where it yep. wasn't funny. Um, and, yeah, and, this, and when it, it, it was it, trying I, to be funny, like that whole fucking like I, my feed. Like this is one of these movies. Like it's like one of those things. Like if you say anything negative about it, then you're, yeah, poli- you're politically you're, politically it's the best movie ever made. You know that, uh, that's your or it's the worst movie ever made. Those are those are your options. Yeah. So it's not only uh, a media. It can't be a mediocre movie that's basically correct. It has to be an excellent movie that's correct in all ways. You know. Yeah. Uh, or it has to be this terrible movie that's wrong in all ways. And that's that's typically fucking American of us to make this yeah. ridiculous. Uh, decision to, to to make this thing, and besides which, how effective is it? I mean, yes, everybody's talking about it. What the fuck are we talking about? We're talking about a movie. We're talking well, about a movie. Yeah, there was more. this metaphor. The metaphor in the movie has escaped the entire conversation. <laughs> Nobody's talking about climate change or COVID. We're talking about whether this movie's any good. That's so stupid. You did everything wrong. This is this is exactly uh, what I was saying about AOC's tax the rich dress at the Met Gala last year. I was like, people or were like, def- defund the police. Yeah, it's a great message, and I'm like, it, sure, it's a great message, but we're not talking about taxing the rich. We're talking about yeah. AOC's fucking dress and her yeah. character, and that's what she got us talking about. Well, how is how is that good politicking? I don't know. I don't think it's good. But it's, it, it's, but, it's, but because the message was on point, me making a joke about that fucking dress made me an asshole. I was a, a fucking yeah. asshole. So I was like, okay, sorry. I, it was just a joke. I, you know, I was. It was a joke. That's all. 
but it had a political leaning, I, you know, uh, I guess. But it was more just saying, that's a stupid dress, and that was a stupid thing to do. That's all I was... That was all, I didn't even say that clearly. I just said it... I made a joke that would, you know, that that would be the... Uh, the underlying subtext of, but it, it like, and it was, it, well, was you, it, it wasn't something that I wanted to have multiple conversations about either. It was a joke, move on. But I wound up having to defend myself because it's not well, that I disagree with her message. I that's, that's, that's very, me. that's very David Chappelle of you. It was a joke. <laughs> let's move on. I mean, the, the, when you've invested your career, right. As you have, uh, as I have, as somebody like Chappelle or, or, uh, uh very much, uh, Patton Oswalt, right. Uh, when you've invested your career in seeing things a certain way and wanting things to work a certain way and think, you know, having a fucking developed theory of the uh, order of the universe, which most of us have done to some extent, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you are obligated to react in concert with those facts that you've decided are the ones of life, right? And you're supposed to say, so these women who have a trouble, uh, these TERFs, who uh, uh, have trouble, you know, uh, with with their 50 years of uh, second wave fem- feminism or whatever, and now suddenly they have to call these people women, who they've developed, you know, an entire, uh, a very effective academic philosophy of how life works, and having them have to turn that around now at this, uh, you know, for a lot of them, a late stage of life where they've always, de- they've already developed all these goddamn theories of how things work. It's asking a lot of the human race to move forward. Right. It's 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 asking us to to say, okay, what's not funny anymore? Yes, that fucking develops. What's what doesn't land anymore? What's tone deaf anymore? Right? It's now incumbent upon everybody who is a public figure to say exactly the right thing at the right moment to uh, a multiplicity of identity movements, which uh, many of them conflict. Many of them don't agree about the way the world works. And so uh, to be able to walk a line the way that somebody like Patton Oswalt does uh, is extraordinary. It's an extraordinary achievement not to be completely hated all the time by everybody and not divorce all your fucking friends as soon as they fuck up, you know, or as soon as they're perceived to have fucked up or as soon as they, you know, just don't get the message as fast as somebody else because they're committed to a thing that's their entire life and their their entire philosophy of life when it's challenged, uh, most of us are not going to roll over. Most of us will say, oh, that's a fucking, uh, that's a thing. Um, most of us who have thought about this, when I say that most of it, that's when I say that that's most of us, it isn't. Most of us are, are unwilling and incapable of having an opinion unless it's received. And those people, I ignore. And when they get mad, you know, thank God I'm not in a position to really piss anybody off. Nobody knows who I am. It's, uh, it's good. That's going to be the future. In the future, everybody's going to be fucking, you know, a private for 15 minutes, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Everybody's going to have 15 minutes off of having to be uh, aligned with whatever's a popular alignment in that particular moment. And in a movie like Cosmic Sin, pleases no one, Right. Mm-hmm. This is a stupid, fucking awful, fucking trite, <laughs> idiotic ripoff of a bunch of other shitty movies. <laughs> like, like, like most of the movies that we pick for this uh, podcast, I think you've chosen a thing which has uh, the uh, the negative qualities of art that are endemic that that we see over and over, and we see this movie trying to make the same mistakes that other movies have made, trying to be as stupid as other movies have been. 
trying to limit the conversation essentially right trying not to explore any ideas trying not to surprise us trying not to refresh us trying not to recreate us and so the thing that i want from this kind of movie is totally not there uh because it makes all these fucking mistakes and makes them actually worse than other movies that were already bad and this is kind of the nature of the discourse everybody's got to repeat the fucking thing that they already heard and hope that the tide hasn't changed at the point when you say it or i say it right we we hope that we're not on the wrong end of this fucking timing it's very interesting that the human nature is very slow to change and yet the uh, public discourse uh, is fucking lightning mm. you know mm-hmm. and that a lot of us who uh people who are, i wonder about the uh uh, whatever the fuck. What what is the youngest generation that's now cognizant? What is what is Colby's generation called? Uh, I don't know. Is it? Are they Z? Are they after Z? Is, are it, they millennials? It, are they pre millennials? No, now? millennials are old. Yeah. Right. Uh, no. He's millennials like, have kids. Gen, I don't. I, I don't know what the, I. I don't know either. But what uh, what that generation? Uh, uh, my concern is that it's going to be such a liability to hold a concerted opinion. For any length of time because the conversation changes so fast and you know so much of science has been just fucking relegated to uh this is the obvious science is now the obfuscation that i use to bolster my argument because if you can't define science then you can't say i'm wrong right. so you know what is a vagina what is a woman these kinds of questions are uh maybe the message changes so fast in what's acceptable and what's unacceptable to say and, and position to hold that I wonder about Colby's generation and whether uh, they're going to be traumatized away from having, you know, deep-seated beliefs, deep-seated uh, well, I mean, faiths. I, 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 I don't think so. I mean, in the, in the realm of, 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 of transgender people uh, uh, and the turf thing um i i don't see him having any any trouble with that because i don't think he's gonna ever have any kind of deep-seated personal thing you know uh uh that that would make him part of that group that philosophical group whatever they are uh i'm not i'm not that worried about it um but you know you can have an opinion about anything that can get you into trouble. You're right. So, I, I, you know, I think that that could potentially happen to him. But that's like it, that's the same as, you know, if you're the political minority and you and you make your progressive statement in a room full of conservatives, they're going to fucking get mad mm-hmm. at you and try to get you canceled. Uh, it's always been that way. That's the nature of the beast. Yeah, but unfortunately, that's also that's also the nature of liberalism. You know, we're all yeah, sure. fascists sure. at heart. We all of us want our point to win the day. And, you know, this is a, uh, I like the metaphor I've been playing with recently of Romulus and Remus, because uh, in the mythology, Romulus and Remus are, you know, uh, these, these twins, they're, they're born on a battlefield or something, they're both raised by a wolf, they kill the wolf, they uh, take on the mantle of creating uh, Rome. Right? They decide that the, these warring city-states are stupid and we're going to create Rome. They, they agree on this. And then eventually Romus, Romulus and Remus disagree violently 
about where to put the capital of the city, which hill in Rome is supposed to be the capital and which one's supposed to be the uh, temple. And so uh, Romulus kills Remus, and so the city is not called Reem. It's called Rome. And that schism, right, that where, we, we, where we're 100% together, and this, this is a fault of liberalism that uh, I think... Uh, in terms of unity and political uh, uh, power, I think conservatism does not have this uh, th- this essential uh, barrier to success. Uh, liberals will fight with other liberals uh, who agree with them 90% mm-hmm. about issues. Mm-hmm. And conservatives basically uh, only have you know one or two issues that are handed to them. Usually the large bulk of the voting population is worried about fucking shit that doesn't affect them at all you know i want to i want to have these guns i want to i want nobody to have to be uh uh, to have to an abortion and i want uh you know i don't want any queers running around i think that the the you know everybody who's not me is bad uh that's a unifying principle you know and and on the on the liberal progressive end uh a lot of progressives will cut your throat because you don't have the same opinion about uh what to call each other, you know, mm-hmm. uh, everybody, you know, uh, uh, I can be, uh, Chappelle, uh, I think is a better example, can be, uh, you know, uh, can vote exactly the same for his entire lifetime uh, as uh, a trans person, right, can have the exact same voting record, can, can have the same exact opinion on almost every fucking issue under the sun because they're basically fucking progressive liberals. And, uh, you know, uh, they can have uh, one disagreement that basically limits their ability to collaborate on creating a better future. This doesn't happen with Republicans. This is just not an issue with Republicans where Republicans who agree 90%, but, you know, one of them says, oh, but I'm a libertarian, they still will all vote for the candidate. And uh, uh, they don't have these little quibbles with each other that uh, liberals have. Yeah, they've and, they, and, and, they've they've mastered their fascism. Whereas, yeah. you know, as you say, we all sort of want to be right and everybody to agree with us, which is a fascistic notion. Um, they actually practice it. They're doing it. Yeah. What you just described yeah. is a hundred percent fascism. Like real yeah. fascism, dangerous fascism, the fascism that we as liberals are not fucking doing anything to fight because yeah. we can't fucking get together. You're right. You know, yeah. well, and we don't do, uh, you know, and we're always compromising with, uh, you know, our own centrism. You know, uh, that's that's why we have a, a, a president who it took him a fucking year to say that Trump's a major problem. It, it took him a year. <laughs> that's, yeah, this uh, th- this. Uh, the 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 hagiography hey that we're already having for Biden because he's not uh, you know and that we had before the election uh, this idea that Biden is somehow a good guy and somehow you know heroic because he's not Trump this is reductive thinking on a Republican level yeah you know? I agree. this is this is stupidity on a fucking uh, 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 this is the kind of shit that gets a Bolsonaro elected you know that gets a Trump elected this fucking quibbling over and I say quibbling and that's probably very insulting to trans people who are listening to this and saying ah he's saying I'm fucking trivial and that's not what I'm saying I'm saying that if somebody agrees with you 90% and you're up against fascists that's your fucking friend you know 
and and our our ability to say that our personal identities are more important than larger pictures. What the conservatives have done is in, in this country have is to create a unified block in which nobody has any identity outside uh, the, the the basic premise that you hate so all these sorry, other people. Uh, hey, it's Hillary. Hey, I love her. Hillary, what what do you need, babe? I'm so sorry. Colby needs glue stick from the closet. Go ahead. Can I go? Yeah, we're just wrapping up the show. Oh. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, hi, Hill. I hope you're hope you're well. Hope you're doing better. So sorry. Uh, you wanna you wanna you wanna call it? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that was a good, uh, a, a very good point to end on. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I think the, the the essential fact that we agree about uh, just about everything and that we're uh, uh, capable of uh, you know uh, you know even between the two of us we can get rancor started with the mention of a fucking topic you know mm-hmm. what I mean the mention of a, a of a political issue um, I think that speaks to the inevitable defeat of the existing. Uh, so-called left wing in this country we're just not we're not going to get it together this way we're not going to be able to have any political power this way and that's why uh what i want you to watch for next time and i'm finally going to do it uh uh i'm i'm going to say uh let's watch uh the remake of uh, uh goodbye mr chips it's a musical starring uh uh the Oh, who's that fucking girl from from Two Sir with Love? I can never remember her name, and uh, and Peter O'Toole in uh, the musical remake of Goodbye, Mr. Chips. Uh, that's what we're gonna watch on the next show. All right. Sorry to say. Did, where is it streaming? I believe it's on uh, HBO still. I, I, I looked at it uh, just a couple of days ago and said, God, I want to finish that movie. I still haven't finished the second half, so uh, I recommend uh, we watch that. i got to finish the second half of Q&A with Nick Nolte and Timothy Hutton and Armand Assange. Oh, I love that. I, 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 the end of that movie is so much better than the beginning. Nick Nolte is astonishing in that fucking movie. He's so good. I like I it. I like it. I've been watching uh, all these uh, uh, because, you know, my family can't watch. I've been watching all these, right. like, crime and crooked cop movies because they never want right. to watch that shit. So okay. I've been getting it in. That's awesome. Oh, I, I wanted to mention on YouTube right now, if you look, there's uh, the complete version, widescreen and, and uh, not a bad copy and everything, of Virus, the 1980 uh, uh, Japanese-American co-production uh, uh, about uh, a pandemic. That, uh, that kills everybody and uh, the, the the 800 men and seven women who are happen to be in Antarctica at that time are the new seed of the human race. Uh, uh, this movie is is much better than that little chopped down shitty version that, that we watched on the show. It's available for free on some channel on YouTube right now, and I recommend finding Virus. Uh, the Japanese parts, which are half of the movie, are not. Uh, there's no subtitles. It's not translated, and uh, it doesn't. It's the kind of movie. It's a Kenji Fukasaka movie. It, it, it doesn't. You don't need words. You don't need to know what they're saying. It's all very well delineated in the uh, in the pictures. Lovely movie. I recommend it. And uh, if if you're watching it and Jamie Lee Curtis is in it, you're watching the wrong one, you guys. Yeah, that's not the virus. Uh, which which Baldwin is in that? Is it is that Billy Dave? Skippy, Skippy Baldwin. Maybe Bill. One? I think I it's Billy. Remember. It's Billy. It's William. Okay. It's the backdraft right. one. Yeah, pretty sure. All right.
Um, all right, I kiss you. I love you. All right. Thank you for the show, everybody. I appreciate your uh, patience with us. Thank you for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time for the two-and-a-half-hour musical Goodbye, Mr. Chips. Can't wait. I may die before that happens. Uh, let's hope not. And if you do, I'm going to watch it alone in your in your memory. Because I know how much he would have hated it. He would have hated this so much, everybody. All right. We'll see you next time, guys. Bye, guys.